0: This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Tomorrow, March 20th marks six months since Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, causing massive damage and deaths. 120,000 people on the island still don't have power today. That's according to CNN. Coming up, we'll hear from a newspaper in San Juan about the challenges that remain there. With no access to electricity or water after Maria, many Puerto Ricans left and settled in places like Florida and Connecticut. Thousands moved to Connecticut. Our state has a strong connection to the island. Many Puerto Ricans live in our cities and other towns, so it's natural they welcome the relatives here after the hurricane. Now, some of those who evacuated are returning as federal government aid to help with food and housing assistance is ending. Coming up, we'll hear how cities like New Haven and Waterbury have tried to help their new residents. With federal aid running out, can the state of Connecticut provide the help that's needed? We'll find out. And you can join the conversation, too, 860-275-7266. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Connecticut Public Radio has been following the stories of the many Puerto Ricans who moved to Connecticut through the reporting project The Island Next Door. Reporter Ryan Karen King made two trips to the island. He joins me now in studio to talk about his recent reporting and some upcoming stories that will air this week on WNPR. Ryan, good to see you.
2: Uh, Thanks for having me, Lucy.
0: I understand thousands of evacuees came to Connecticut in those months following the destruction of Hurricane Maria. Where did they go and where are they now?
2: So so as you mentioned before, with um, hundreds of thousands of Puerto Ricans already living in Connecticut, there's roughly 300,000 people here with roots and ties to the island. Uh, Many people moved in with their family. Um, But there are also some people who came here who didn't have family here, and they came to live in hotels, usually with the aid of FEMA. Um, But now, uh, around January and and, uh, starting in January, then in February and now, uh, their aid started to run dry. FEMA said, okay, there are some people here that are no longer, longer eligible for this hotel aid, and the hotel program itself ended this month. Um, so people started to scramble to find apartments, permanent living here in, in Connecticut. Um, and what that meant is that sometimes people had to move into their houses uh, without furniture, without supplies. Um, I talked to one woman who um, had to move in uh, with her grand- grandkids and sleep on a mattress pad on the floor Um for, for a couple weeks uh, without any furniture because they just didn't have time to get any. Remember, these people came here without their belongings because oftentimes their belongings were washed away by flooding or the hurricane. Uh, so last week, a reporter, uh, Connecticut Public Radio reporter Frankie Graziano and I tagged along with a crew of volunteers from the area and other hurricane evacuees who are volunteering their time to bring donated furniture uh, from Avon to Puerto Rico I'm uh, fam- uh, sorry, from Avon to Puerto Rican families moving in, in Hartford. Uh, we spoke to Maribel Perez. She's a hurricane evacuee who received some of this furniture, including a high chair for her granddaughter. And her granddaughter was two weeks old when the storm hit the island. So what, what she saying there is that, no, we didn't have anything. We had the apartment, but we didn't have any furniture. Thank God the apartment is complete. Now we have furniture, we have food, we have clothes. We have all we need thanks to the people who have helped us. Um, so the state also paid for some people to continue living in the hotels until they find permanent housing. And there's actually a church in downtown Hartford that is taking in a few families um, for several months until they can figure out uh, a more permanent situation. But now I think it's important to note that it's a turning point for these families. Um, it's the end of the honeymoon period where people are living with their families, and you know it's not easy to live in the same living room or the same bedroom as, as people for several months. Um, so now many people will have to ask, should I stay here in Connecticut or should I return to the island?
0: We heard from Maribel, who just moved into her apartment. Again, we're talking about um, the impact of Hurricane Maria six months on uh, today uh, here on where we live. Uh, What took so long for some of them to find a place to live here?
2: I I think it's important to note that or remember that everyone uh, or uh, most of the people in this situation lost their homes. Um, if they didn't lose their homes to the hurricane, they they lost you know all of their belongings or a lot of their things. Um, some a, a lot of people who came here and m- most of the people who came here to live in hotels just didn't have anything to bring with them, so they were just starting from from nothing. Um, and another th- important thing to note is that a lot of people, um, some people moved in with their families, some people have lived here before, but many. This is their first time in Connecticut, and many, this is their first time learning how to speak English. Um, So in order to find housing, because there's uh, long... Uh, wait lists for public housing, and in often cases, there's there's no public housing or subsidized housing available, um, they need a job to find housing. And then to find a job, um, it's it's good if you know how to speak English. So it's been a long process for a lot of these people um, to, to find a place to live. Um, so I spoke with Israel Rivera at the apartment housewarming that Frankie and I went to, where people were bringing to bring furniture to, to others. Um, and Israel is a hurricane evacuee himself. He was, he was uh, in a truck. I uh, sat with him in one of the moving trucks he volunteered to drive to move fana- furniture to other families. Um, and he came here from Ciales, Puerto Rico, with his wife and his children. So he's saying that for a person or a family that doesn't know English, it's very difficult. If you don't know the language, you can't get to the resources.
0: Uh, you mentioned that he came from Cielos, Puerto Rico. Where is that on the island? And now that he's got a place, does he intend to stay?
2: I believe that's on in the, in the, uh, the northwest side, um, but we'd have to look at a map. Um, I can't remember exactly. Um, but Israel wants to stay here. Um, he said when I when I asked him why, he was like, "Oh, I actually like the cold temperature." I'm like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. But he um, he he enjoys the weather here. Obviously, it's a new place to start and a new opportunity to. Um, you know, look for a job. He's working at a temp agency um, uh, Monday through Friday now. And they found an apartment. He has his younger children. Um, and uh, they you know, had been living in this hotel for many months. Um, but right now they're making it work.
0: I'm speaking with Connecticut Public Radio's reporter Ryan Karen King. Uh, he's done some uh, great reporting on the island and across the state uh, looking at the impact of Hurricane Maria. You can see uh, a lot of the, the stories that he and Jeff Cohen have worked on, reported on, as well as some video on the website wmpr.org slash island. Now let's talk about, I guess, the support system that's been in place, Ryan, and, and what's happening uh, with that now as we, as we again, look six months since this hurricane. as families are still looking to relocate?
2: So I think one of the more important support systems um, that was put in place was this two-on-one hotline uh, that the state in the United Way uh, runs. Um, And that's where families could call this line and get connected to all the social services available. Um, And many of those services were provided by the Salvation Army and Catholic Charities, working with families to connect them with apartments or jobs. Um, And and in in some cases, paying the first month's rent, the security deposit, um, is making that move easier. Um, But I think it's important to note that volunteers did a lot of the heavy lifting here. Um, And if it weren't for the volunteers, Many of these families might have been homeless. Um, you might have heard our story earlier this morning on uh, the hurricane relief center in Hartford shutting down. This was a center that provided. It was essentially just a, a physical location, a central location where families could walk in. Um, to a form, it was located in a former Crex school, and families could walk in and get connected to any of these services. Um, But it was also a hub for uh, essentially emotional support. People could come here and have a physical place to convene with other hurricane evacuees and be connected with people who know Spanish, who know the area, who can welcome welcome them to the area. So that hurricane center uh, closed last week uh, due to lack of funding, um, but also it was always intended to be a temporary place. Um, I went to a a celebratory dinner, celebrating the work of the Hurricane Relief Center, and I talked to Ana Okendo. She came from San Juan uh, in December with her family, and, and she now lives in West Hartford, and she also works there at Brugger's Bagels. So she's saying that with me, it's fine now. I'm, my life is getting together because uh, of one of the volunteers at the relief center was always with her. Um, but the problem is, she says, uh, those who are still coming here, the people who are coming after the center closes, she's wondering who can help them now that the center will be closed. And, and when I was there uh, last week, they told me that just the week this, the center closed and the week before, over 20 families had been through their doors. Um, and, and these are people that I mentioned, you know, might have, be, might have been uh, leaving their families uh, living rooms or places that they had lived before. And there's also people who are just coming here from the island for the first time.
0: Uh, that's a good question about what happens with families who are still coming uh, despite um, some time um, since uh, Hurricane Maria. So from what you said earlier, Ryan, uh, relatives of uh, these new evacuees, they can call 211 to get referred?
2: Right. That is that is the idea now. The The system is in place so that while there's no central location, families can call this number and and be connected directly to the nonprofits who are helping.
0: Meanwhile, you're hearing from others who are returning, who are going back to the island. What are they telling you about the reasons why?
2: Um, so some people just couldn't make it work for all of the challenges that I mentioned before. Um, either they couldn't find a job or housing um, or they you know, just, just wasn't the place that they wanted to be. Um, and then some people wanted to go home. Um, and they wanted, they intended to, you know, they li- they left the island with every intention of going back to the place they wanted to be. Um, one person uh, who I-, I talked to, um, Carmen Cota, was an advocate for many of these families. Uh, she had lived in Hartford for uh, her entire life and then uh, moved back to the island recently, right before the hurricane. Um, so when the hurricane uh, sent her back here um, because her her house was destroyed and her family. Her she moved back here with her parents, who also uh, uh, lived on the island. Um, she wasn't too happy to be here, um, but she she knew the area. She knew uh, the system. She worked as as a social worker, so so she became an advocate for many of the families here, and 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 served as a voice of the the Puerto Rican evacuees here in Hartford.
3: Puerto Rico is home. If I am a voice. I'd rather be a voice in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, I could speak about the injustice that are happening there. I can assist with whatever I can, however I can. But if I'm not present there to make a difference, then I don't have the right to complain of everything that's happening with Puerto Rico.
2: So there she's essentially saying she wants to go home. Because she can be a voice here in Hartford and help the families here, um, but she feels that her island needs her now. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, I mentioned that her elderly parents came here and they also wanted to move back. That's the place they they want to, to live in their retirement. Um, and she's taking care of them. Um, and I talked to her last week. I talked to Carmen Coto last week and she, she reports that, you know, the move went well, the, the flight was safe and she got, she got in um, and she reports that... Um, uh, in her her barrio, her her neighborhood, one of her cousins re- uh, restored the electricity here. Um, he's an electrician um, and 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 brought power back by working with a crew of volunteers.
0: Uh, you mentioned that you know she wants to be a voice for uh, people on the island, um, and she wants to help with the recovery effort. She also told you the part of the recovery effort is to prepare for the for future hurricanes is that on the minds of Puerto Ricans you've spoken with that next hurricane mm-hmm. and what could happen well
2: i mean most recently most of the people that i've talked to have been people trying to start a life here so that hasn't really come up but i'm i'm sure that's a question we'll be asking people if we go back to the island if we're talking people to people more people who are going back to the island when i talked to carmen coto um she said that it she sort of alluded to this new normal that people will be living there with the on the island. Sometimes that new normal might be living with living without things like electricity, um, living like living in a post- hurricane society. But she also said that next hurricane season, you know they're, they're they're it's on their minds already. They're thinking about how do we live more sustainably, how do we live without electricity. She spoke to me about wanting to learn how to make her own clothing um, and learning how to 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 carry on life without things like internet and, and electricity.
0: Uh, we've talked about uh, Connecticut Public Radio's uh, uh, being invested in this story with reporting on the island as well as here throughout Connecticut. So this week, what will listeners hear on WMPR?
2: So we have a, we have a few stories coming up. Um, reporter Vanessa De La Torre will have uh, two stories from students here in Connecticut from Puerto Rico. One story from the Hartford Public High School system, or Har- Hartford Public High School specifically, um, the system-wide took in about 450 students, and had been facing challenges before even taking on um, those extra students. Um, and then another story from Connecticut, uh, Central Connecticut State University. She talked to students there that are facing the same question: Should I stay in this place that you know took me in, or should I go back to my to to my island? Um, and then we also have a, uh, two stories from uh, reporter Frankie Graziano. He has a story about um, this furniture drive uh, where people. Uh, from Avon and West Hartford were donating furniture to families moving in here. And he also has a story about the challenges uh, surrounding finding subsidized housing here in Connecticut. And we'll have a video to accompany uh, one of those stories as well.
0: Ryan Karen King is a reporter and visual journalist for Connecticut Public Radio. You can learn more about the reporting trips to Puerto Rico as well as the extensive reporting Connecticut Public Radio is doing across the state again six months on after Hurricane Maria. You can learn more at wmprorg slash island. Ryan, thanks again for your time.
2: Thanks so much, Lucy.
0: This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpothanchel. Coming up, evacuees from Puerto Rico settled in other cities besides Hartford. We'll check in on efforts to help in New Haven and Waterbury. And we want to hear from you. Did you help your relatives from Puerto Rico resettle here? Will they remain or go back to the island? What kinds of assistance do they still need? You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Email live at wmpr.org. And as always, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpethanchel. Today we're talking about Puerto Rico. Tomorrow, March 20th, marks six months since Hurricane Maria devastated the island. Thousands of Puerto Ricans moved to Connecticut after the disaster. You can follow the reporting of Connecticut Public Radio at wmpr.org slash island. Now, the city of New Haven has taken in more than 900 evacuees. Joining us now is Paola Soreccia to talk about efforts in the Elm City to help those evacuees. She's Director of Advocacy and Community Engagement for Junta for Progressive Action It's a community resource center in the Fairhaven neighborhood of New Haven. Paola, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Good morning. Uh, I had told our listeners that New Haven has uh, resettled more than 900 evacuees. Are you still seeing uh, big numbers coming to the city, or is it decreasing?
3: Um, So um, after about uh, five months, we did see a decrease. Um, But within the last couple of weeks, we've seen an increase of uh, people uh, coming back um, from Puerto Rico. Um, Folks are coming from Florida, um, Maryland, and New York um, as those resources are being exhausted in those other states. And so they're headed to Connecticut. A lot of the folks that do come to New Haven or to Connecticut are coming because they have family here um, that would be able to host them.
0: So uh, uh, talk with us about the coordination that uh, Junta and city officials in New Haven, New Haven, like when did you start planning? Uh, because again, Junta has been in the uh, New Haven community for many years. But when we're looking at uh, the devastation uh, caused by Hurricane Maria, uh, the fact that uh, many Puerto Ricans were leaving to resettle with their families, um, it's a, it can be um, a stressful time. And so how did you coordinate to, to help these families as quickly as you could?
3: well the city of new haven with the emergency services department the mayor's office um, and also, uh, Fairhaven Clinic and Health Center, um, sat down together, um, and really worked to make a plan as we saw an influx of like over a hundred people a week, uh, coming in, um, from the hurricane. And as we worked through housing issues, employment issues, um, working on getting coats and donations, um, because it has been a very cold winter, um, and in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of snow so we're still working on those type of donations and basic needs um, just to make sure that people felt welcomed they had a one-stop shop and that was here at junta Um, they went from the board of education to be registered if they had children of school age and then they were sent here to junta Mm.
0: Uh, now you're talking about all the different ways that uh, you're able to help. Um, what kind of strain does that put on uh, the community already in New Haven because you, they have needs as well?
3: Right, and so. The 910 uh, individuals that have come um, from Puerto Rico are just a fraction of the amount of people that we have as clients. Um, Housing was a big issue and an epidemic before the evacuees came on. Um, Also employment and other basic needs and resources due to the state Connecticut budget um, and a lot of resources being cut. So adding this new Connecticut residents or the evacuees from Puerto Rico and U.S. Virgin Island, it's caused a big strain for the community resources here. Um, we're all working together, and we're very blessed here in New Haven um, to be able to have such a collaborative team. At the same time, we are anticipating an increase of people coming to new haven due to the resource centers across the state closing as we saw on thursday um, hartford closed on wednesday thursday we saw an influx of people coming in from the, that side of
0: uh, the state. This is where we live. Uh, today we're talking about six months since Hurricane Maria devastated uh, the island of Puerto Rico. Uh, thousands of Puerto Ricans moved to Connecticut as well as other states after that disaster. Uh, were you one of them? Uh, are you a relative of someone who needed um, to seek shelter uh, for a few months? We want to hear from you about the, the help, the assistance that you may still need. The number 860 275 Find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. On the phone with me now, Paula Soreccia, Director of Advocacy and Community Engagement for Junta for Progressive Action. This is a community resource center in the Fairhaven neighborhood of New Haven. Uh, joining the conversation now is uh, Pedro Bermudez from Hartford. Pedro, can you hear me?
1: Yes, madam. Uh, my name is Pedro Bermudez, and thank you very much for the coverage. It's been so important for the community.
0: Thank you, Pedro, for that and for your call. So tell us a little bit about your story. I understand that you had lived in uh, Connecticut for many years. You'd gone back to Puerto Rico to retire, and then Hurricane Maria hit.
1: Yes, it did, and uh, it was the most terrible uh, experience of my life. It, I'm still trying to rebuild my life back. But I was one of the lucky ones who came to back to the U.S., and received the support of members of my family who, who are, uh, are still living in Puerto Rico, uh, I mean, in the U.S.
0: When you say that you're one of the lucky ones and you had relatives still living here, uh, tell us about um, the fact that, uh, you know, again, you know this area, so it might have been easier for you uh, in the last few months versus someone who has lived on the island their whole lives and are really starting over. What kind of help uh, do those evacuees need today, Pedro?
1: Well, most of all, they need uh, caseworkers who could uh, help them identify housing, uh, jobs, uh, health care services, education, and the basic needs of uh, families who are coming to a new environment.
0: Uh, we heard that the Welcome Center in the Hartford area uh, closed last week. Uh, Paula from Junta is, is already hearing from people uh, who are coming that need assistance. Uh, who can step in to fill the gap? Because Junta is just one, um, one organization in one city.
1: I know it's very difficult. It was a, a, a terrible loss when they closed the center. And uh, we still have that void that we have to fill out, identify a community organization that identifies with the families and their needs and knows well the resources available. Uh, we are still in the process of identifying uh, uh, an organization.
0: And Pedro, uh, what are your plans moving forward? Are you going to stay with relatives, or do you do you uh, long to go back to, to Puerto Rico?
1: Well, I wish I could go back to the island, but uh, things in the island get worse every day. Uh, it's not only the, the humanitarian crisis uh, caused by Maria, but also... <laughs> For a decade now, Puerto Rico is going through economic turmoil. It's very difficult. The basic services that we give for granted in the U.S. are not there. Uh, Electricity still is uh, lacking in most of the towns away from the metro area of San Juan. Uh, Doctors are moving to the U.S. because of the economic crisis uh food most of the 95 percent of the food we get it from from the u.s and so it's uh, schools are closing because there is no money to run the schools so it's a it's an entire uh economic crisis on top of that maria what it did was that transform that into a humanitarian crisis So I'm not planning to go back to the island in the near future. It's going to take a long time for the island to rebuild itself.
0: Pedro Bermudez, again, uh, from the Hartford area, uh, someone who has lived in Connecticut, uh, went back to Puerto Rico to retire and then found himself back uh, here after Hurricane Maria. Uh, We thank you for calling in and good luck to you. Uh, We hope that uh, things go well and that you continue to help uh, people that are in need.
1: Thank you very much.
0: This is where we live today. We're hearing about how communities across the state are working to help Puerto Ricans who settled here after Hurricane Maria devastated their homes on the island. It's been six months uh, tomorrow since that hurricane hit the island. Now, Hartford and New Haven have gotten a lot of attention for their assistance to help Puerto Ricans who moved here after the storm. But evacuees are also moving to cities like Waterbury. Joining us now is State Representative Geraldo Reyes. Uh, Representative Reyes, can you hear me? Representative Reyes, are you there? Hi, Representative Reyes. Uh, So, tell us about um, Waterbury um, and how they're assisting evacuees. How many uh, families, individuals from Puerto Rico, have moved in in recent weeks?
4: So, Waterbury, uh, interestingly enough, uh, uh, to even to our surprise, uh, we had when we topped out at a high water number of 300 students from uh, the Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands, and uh, which was only second to Harper in the state of Connecticut in terms of volume, so we were uh somewhat uh surprised at the uh the high number of students that were uh relocated here and it wasn't because uh um it wasn't because there wasn't already puerto Rican families here but simply because uh you know we were thinking that economically it wasn't a hotbed for uh jobs or uh or or the likes but what we did know was that we did have affordable housing stock although we didn't have a lot of it but it's a lot cheaper to live in Waterbury than some of the other cities that you've already mentioned so it was very interesting to see the number of students and families that showed up at Waterbury
0: uh, you mentioned uh, Waterbury has the second highest number of children enrolling in schools uh, since Maria. Uh, what kind of state assistance can be provided to communities like Waterbury, State, Rep- state Representative Reyes?
4: So, 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 uh, so, what we've been uh, doing as a uh, legislature, uh, Representative Juan Candelaria has proposed a uh, bill to uh, 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 the uh, to divide. Two and a half million dollars amongst the evacuees that have found themselves here in the uh, in the state of Connecticut, and uh, it's not a lot of money in terms of a, a state budget, but it is a lot of money when the, the state is finding itself in the, uh, economic hardship and uh, budgetary hardship. The other piece of that is uh, not only have uh, uh, the legislators have been trying to help, but the communities have been very, very, very strong in, in helping. The uh, uh, Puerto Rican evacuees, and then there's one other bill that was introduced by uh, Representative Candelaria from New Haven, which would create a a fund uh, for uh, this such such type of emergencies. For all U.S. citizens in in the case of a natural disaster.
0: You mentioned those two bills, uh, one to allocate $2.5 million uh, to communities that are helping uh, these uh, Puerto Ricans who are looking to restart their lives. Uh, Where do those bills stand, Representative Reyes?
4: So right now, the the bill is, as right now, out of committee, um, excuse me, in committee to be able to hopefully get, we're trying to raise that bill to get it to the floor, where then we can put it to a vote. So right now it's still in committee, and uh, it's a position that the uh, the uh, Black and Puerto Caucus has uh, united against, uh, united for, and uh, is uh, one of our strong uh, uh, initiatives that we're uh, standing firm on that we want uh, in, in, as a priority uh, bill, mm-hmm. and uh, along with education and a lot of other issues. But uh, when you are talking specific about the evacuees. And uh, I will also say that on a, uh, on a uh, federal level, the, uh, the senators and Congresswoman Essie, uh, the two senators, Murphy and Blumenthal and Congresswoman Essie, have been uh, keenly on top of this and have uh, been advocating for uh, resources and financial support for the uh, folks that are here in Connecticut. Mm-hmm.
0: This is where we live. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. On the phone with me, Geraldo Reyes, Jr., state representative in the Connecticut General Assembly for the Waterbury area. Uh, Representative Reyes, have uh, you or uh, Representative Candelaria had a conversation with the leadership in the General Assembly? Is it likely that they would move this bill to the floor for a vote, given the state's budget issues?
4: Well, it's... To answer your question, we absolutely have taken this uh, uh, to leadership. Leadership is uh, uh, keenly aware of uh, what we're trying to do here. And uh, our position is that, uh, that we have found money for other important things, and we believe that for our constituents and our, our, uh, our communities that this is very important and that we can find this money.
0: I wanted to turn back to Paola Soreccia, Director of Advocacy and Community Engagement for Junta for Progressive Action uh, that's working to help evacuees in the, the New Haven area. Uh, Paola, well, we hear from a state representative right now about uh, you know, efforts to try uh, to get some money to communities like New Haven. How optimistic are you?
3: Um, So when and hello, Representative Reyes.
4: Uh, Good morning. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Um, So I actually am very uh, optimistic Uh, speaking with President uh, Senator Looney and also uh, Senator Fasano. um, They've both showed interest in um, co-sponsoring the bill um, and actually being able to help protect these U.S. citizens and our new Connecticut residents and being able to give housing and other benefits. I think something interesting that Pedro said um, that really holds true is we all need a place that we can come to um, to be able to feel welcomed. And here at Junta, whether you're from New Haven or from Hartford or from Willimantic, our doors are going to be open because we are dealing with a humanitarian crisis and we all have to come together. Mm.
0: And Paula, if that money doesn't come through, uh, what outlook do you see for Junta to continue to provide the services? I mean, on one hand, you say you're committed to helping, but um, services can only go so far. I'm just curious uh, what the, um, the plan is long term, because we know things languish in the, the Connecticut General Assembly. Uh, I'm just curious about uh, the plans uh, to uh, fill in that gap while you wait for that, that, uh, needed, those needed resources.
3: Well, um, we are right now working with everybody across the state um, and speaking with them about what resources are available in each state. Uh, my next plan of action is creating a triage process that if you come here from jun- to Junta from a different area from the state, that we will locate resources within that city or town that you came from that you want to stay at. Uh, A lot of these families are coming to other relatives and so we don't want to separate them. And so if there's anything that we can do working with Bridgeport, Hartford, Waterbury, Meriden, which also has a high Latino population, that we would then create resource lists for those folks and then be able to connect them. Because whether or not we have assistance from the state or not, we cannot turn away and not help people that are in need and that are in crisis like we would do for any U.S. citizen.
0: This is where we live. Have you been uh, trying to help evacuees that have moved into your community? Maybe it's one of your relatives. We want to hear from you. 860-275-7266. Dave is calling from Bristol. Dave, go ahead with your question or comment.
5: Oh, Lucy, thank you so much. I enjoy your program. I've been listening to, to you for years. Um, I did jot down some thoughts so I can keep myself in order. Thank you, Dave. Um, I volunteer at a furniture bank here in Bristol called For Goodness Sake. And um, what we do is provide uh, homeless people transitioning into homes with new furniture and small appliances and household goods to get them going. And I can call on a couple of memories. We had back in, uh, right within the first month of uh, the hurricane, we had a, a family with nine members come up. We had a call to action out on Facebook. That's for goodness sake.org is our website, and we're on Facebook as well. We had a call to action, and we had so many donations come in. The family, and, and we usually work just weekends, so we were at midweek. We had uh This family of nine people come in, get beds from us, and uh, all the household goods you could possibly imagine to to start off in a new apartment. And um, I personally helped a World War II veteran whose uh, granddaughter was a nurse in a local facility. She flew down to find him and bring him back. He was a World War II veteran, had lost everything, and I personally was able to help him out. Um, So there are... There are groups out there that are willing to help uh, some of these um, you know these people that are transitioning from Puerto Rico Puerto Rico by the way, I love Puerto Rico. I've spent time down there. I enjoy the um, mountains, which I didn't even know there were mountains there when I visited so i I really like. that uh, that island very much so. Well, Dave, thank you
0: for your call. Unfortunately, we're short on time, but thank you for your generosity in trying to help uh, uh, the new residents moving here after Hurricane Maria. We do appreciate it. I wanted to fit in one more call. Uh, Joe is calling from Meriden. Joe, go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Go
6: ahead. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, I was wondering how is all this going to be paid for?
0: Good question, Joe. I'll start with Representative Geraldo Reyes from Waterbury. Uh, Joe wants to know, uh, with this uh, additional aid, uh, how it's going to be paid for. Representative Reyes, are you there?
4: I am, I am. And uh, sir, thank you very much for that question. It's a uh, concern of many of our uh, constituents and uh, uh, not only our constituents, but also our elected officials. And uh, as I stated earlier, we have found we have been able to find uh money for other uh uh entities and concerns in the state of Connecticut and we believe that the uh the amount uh, of monies that we're talking about far out, the, the need is far our out ways by the uh, humanitarian effort that we're trying to do so i believe it's something that we can can get done in this short session
0: I want to uh, thank uh, you and for calling, Joe, and hopefully that uh, helped uh, answer uh, your question. Um, I want to also thank Paula Soreccia, director of advocacy and community engagement for Junta for Progressive Action, a community resource center in the Fairhaven neighborhood of New Haven. Paula, wel- thank you so much for for uh, calling in today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpithanchel. Coming up, so what's it look like in Puerto Rico today as evacuees are returning? We're going to talk with a reporter from an online newspaper in San Juan and take some of your questions, too. That number, 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. After Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, residents were left without power and water for weeks. Many left to live on the mainland. State Representative Geraldo Reyes from Waterbury is on the phone with us. He has family on the island. Representative Reyes, what are are you hearing from them now about what it looks like today in Puerto Rico?
4: Let me tell you, I've uh, had the... uh the opportunity to travel to Puerto Rico twice on humanitarian efforts, and we have a a, a third uh, trip planned in the um, at the end of March, uh, providing that the time allows for me to get away. But long story short, um, every time we go there, we're we're astounded by the uh, number of folks that we encounter, especially in the mountain and the uh, less traveled areas, and uh, more often than not, we're met by uh folks that said, my God, thanks for coming here. You guys are the first ones to come here. And it pains me to hear that. And, uh, you know, five five months, five months not going on six. Mm-hmm. But I went there three months after the hurricane. I went there five months after the hurricane. And uh, we were found, we found ourselves in many areas where uh, it was the road less traveled and people were very, really hurting, especially in the mountains. We spent time in Utuado, Arjunta, and Jayuya which are the three highest points of Puerto Rico. With how you have been, how you have been the highest. But I can tell you uh, firsthand, my sister lives in Osuado, and I had a conversation with her on Saturday, and here it is uh, six months after, and they don't have any water to drink. Mm. And, it, you know, it, it hurts. It hurts to hear that, you know, coming from a loved one, but it, it doesn't really matter because I met so many people in Puerto Rico that are really struggling.
0: Uh, for more on the situation in Puerto Rico today, joining us by phone, Richard Colombadillo, editor for Noticel, an online newspaper in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Richard, welcome to Where We Live.
6: Uh, good morning. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: Uh, we just heard from a state representative here in Connecticut about having family in Puerto Rico, uh, places that where um, there are certain places, especially in the mountains and rural areas, without electricity and water. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what's being felt on the island six months on that this is still an issue.
6: Uh, well, a, basically the, the situation on the island, uh, as the uh, representative has pointed out, uh, mainly, the rural areas are the ones that are, have suffered the most. Uh, power on those areas are still, are still down. Uh, many of those areas, uh, like for example, the, the municipality of Jabucoa, which was the first municipality which the hurricane hit, uh, has are still suffering. They are they're being powered by generators, which the uh, Corps of Engineers uh, supplied for us in Puerto Rico. And the, while the while the while they're still trying to restore the system, the the electric system. Uh, But uh, according to the Puerto Rico Power Authority, their numbers are at 91.79%, which is about uh, 1,351,009 persons with power in the island. Um, But, however, if we look at um, uh, recently, uh, recently the... A Puerto Rican astronaut called Joseph Agaba uh shared with us the with the people around his in his Twitter account pictures of Puerto Rico where you saw in the in the central areas of the island which is the mo with the most uh, mountainous areas that it was all black and it was pitch black. so people are still questioning those numbers mm-hmm. given by the power authority um what are,
0: what are residents feeling about uh, the federal government's response, attitudes about FEMA? Uh, we hear so often that uh, that six months later, if there was a, a disaster here in the mainland, it wouldn't be six months after a disaster where people would still be without power and running water.
6: Well, uh, a lot of people are questioning FEMA's actions because uh, many people have uh, filed their—they their, have filed for aid. But FEMA has not answered back to them. It's been six months later, and people are still waiting for FEMA to answer back. We conducted a, a poll here in nauti where we found out that around 60% of the people that contacted FEMA for aid had been denied the aid they, that they asked for. Um, a Do, you lot have also. Do you know why?
0: Do you know why they were denied?
6: It, it, it wasn't really stated, and uh, FEMA has not uh, responded to any allegations of that, of, of that kind um they had um the the only thing that we can say is that either damages were less than what they expected. We are not sure but fema has not ha- has not answered back on why they would um deny those- uh those that aid but many people have have reported that FEMA has denied it. Mm-hmm.
0: There's been a reporting that uh, there was a $2 billion loan approved by the U.S. Treasury, but none of that money has been dispersed yet to anyone on the island.
6: That is correct. Um, there was a federal uh, the federal uh, loan. It was originally meant for $4.7 um, but it was cut down for $2 billion. Uh, the current administration of Governor Roosevelt's administration is currently on talks with the uh, Treasury, the federal Treasury, on um, regards to that to that loan. But as of yet, there hasn't been a disbursement. Mm.
0: On the phone with me is Richard Colombadillo. He's joining us by phone from San Juan, Puerto Rico. He's editor for Noticel, an online newspaper there. Uh, Richard, what are some of the biggest obstacles to rebuilding?
6: Uh, what we've what we've heard from but uh, from the agencies and different people that are working on the restor- on the restoration is the 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 mountainous areas. That's the main problem that people ha- that people say they are facing. Oh. Um, but we I can't really say for certain if that is what's what's going on or if it's something else. People in the island have criticized. Like, as the governor has also criticized, but many other residents of the island has also, have also criticized that um, there have been other type of missions that have been worked on and have, have been done quicker. Uh, the, uh, currently, the power authority has, uh, has stated that they are lacking materials to be able to restore their to restore the system in Puerto Rico, and which is and that is the main obstacle they face however, um the Corps of engineers which which are, the, which are the ones who are providing them with the materials, have stated that the materials are there and that they are they are arriving so currently, it's just a constant um battle about which one is saying the truth or not. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Richard, um, Richard, in, yeah. in Connecticut, we're, we're, we've been talking about uh, the thousands of Puerto Ricans who've, who've relocated here. Some of them are now returning because uh, federal aid for housing and food is running out. Um, any idea um, when you're talking with people who've, who are coming back, uh, you know that this might just be a temporary thing and they will leave the island again because of a lot of the uncertainty that still remains? I've, I can't
6: say for certain. Uh, immigration in the island has has always existed. People have always left for the United States. People sometimes return, sometimes they stay over there. Um, so we can't really be certain if people that have left, um, that have returned will be staying or they will be leaving again. Uh, we can't. I can tell you that the number of immigrants, of, immigrants, of not immigrants, sorry, people have, who have left the island towards the, towards the states, towards the mainland, have been around 1, 160,000. Uh, we are. Uh, that number is still debatable as well. However, it was a number given out by the Institute of Statistics, but it's difficult to to measure because we can't be, we can't be certain it's that the correct number since people are coming and going all the time. Uh,
0: whether uh, people stay or leave, what has been the economic impact uh, on the island, Richard? And what jobs are uh, left there?
6: Uh, there has been a a drop of. 60 the population of Puerto Rico since, the, since people have been leaving the island. Um, economically, I can't tell you the numbers exactly, but many of the jobs, many, many people have left and due to, due to jobs being closed down. Um, some 20 hotels have been closed, and that has impacted a lot on the, on the
3: economy,
6: mainly on the tourism economy but I don't really have numbers to provide you which can tell you exactly how much money has been lost or how much money uh, mm-hmm. dropped since the people have left the island.
0: I've been speaking with Richard Colon Badillo, editor for Noticel, an online newspaper in San Juan, Puerto Rico. On the phone with us as well as State Representative Geraldo Reyes from Waterbury, who has family still living in Puerto Rico. Representative Reyes, are you confident that the money will come forth from the federal government?
4: I um I that's a great question. I am uh, optimistic at best, and uh, and hoping that uh, that the uh, uh, the powers to be will do the right thing for the people of Puerto Rico, who I can't stress enough are American citizens. And uh, as again as I stated earlier, um, I am very optimistic and believe that uh, that the uh, the leadership that we have in place, both from federal. And on a state level, are all doing a great job to push this agenda forward.
0: You're talking about the leadership, the Connecticut delegation.
4: That's correct. That's correct.
0: Mm. Uh, but there's still a, a lot of uh, that needs to be done in, in DC to 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 move that uh, that forward. Uh, Representative Reyes, uh, does that make you frustrated?
4: it uh what what the frustrating part about it is absolutely the timing it uh it seems an awful long time to uh to wait for uh, humanitarian aid for american citizens so that's the frustrating piece um ha- haven't had the the as i said the opportunity to to spend time on the ground with people uh, from puerto rico and the uh, in the different situations that folks are facing there as well as the folks that I've met all around the state of Connecticut, because uh, Connecticut has, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's in the top three number of uh, states that have uh, taken on e- uh, Puerto Rican evacuees. And um, um, all throughout uh, Connecticut, Hartford, uh, New Haven, Meriden, Bridgeport, Waterbury, all have taken on volumes of uh, Puerto Rican families. And, uh, you know, I, I, I speak for Waterbury because I think that um, – we were able to quickly uh, assess the situation and, and put uh, the welcoming centers in, in on the ground to help people quickly, and that was uh, due to the, uh, to the leadership of the Hispanic community in the greater Waterbury area and Mayor O'Leary in the city of Waterbury. We'll
0: have to, and, we uh, have to leave know. it there, Representative Reyes. We're, uh, we're almost out of time. I, I apologize, but we do thank you for calling in today. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Also, Richard Colombadio from uh, Noticel, an online newspaper in San Juan. Richard, thank you again.
6: Thank you as well.
0: This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff. Special thanks to Lydia Brown and WNPR intern Julius Brown. Also, our technical producer is Kion Wolf. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel.